Everybody, welcome to episode 14 of Rise Up, the podcast. I'm back with your two favorites, Greg Gremlin and Scotty Rogers. We're back of a two-week hiatus. It's good to be back chatting with you guys. What's What's been going on? I heard some rumors actually swirling around that Scotty big-leagued Greg this weekend. Is there any truth behind that, Scotty? I'll give you the mic before no, Greg not, can tell I'm his not. side. I just chose to be boring. That was it. That was it. Yeah, he just didn't fill me in on that. So um, my weekend was awesome. Friday, went down to Towson, hung out with Greg at East Coast Dyes, got a good conversation going about a new product we're going to work on together. Then had a little FOA elite session with some studs. Saturday, got to see my goddaughter, just turned six. Shout out to Ava. And then um, Sunday... Went to Navy to see the boys over at Navy and work with the staff, then ran a nice uh, clinic there. Drove straight back to Philly, where I was lucky enough to be inducted in Delco Hall of Fame. And while we were in the middle of the presentation, the Phillies got their final out of the NLCS, and the place erupted. So it was a good weekend for Greg. Wow. That is is an action-packed weekend. Woo! And in, in what part of that did uh, Scotty Big League you when you were down in Baltimore? Totally gassed me on Friday night. Friday totally night. gassed me. Yeah. Too cool Too cool for school? Come on. No, just resetting. Just All resetting. Right. No, that's, that's fair. You know, you know, like when you have your PlayStation on and you, you turn it off accidentally without saving the game? Yeah. He's resetting. That's what Scotty did. That's what I did for myself. So now he's got to go back to that level and he's got to beat it. So next time I come to Baltimore, he's got to beat it. Tell me about your reset oh, weekend, Scott. How was, your reset, how was your reset weekend? You get back to level? Yeah, watched uh, Ancient Aliens like 10 seasons. It's good. Yeah, I recommend oh. it. Man, do I have a bone to pick with the History Channel. <laughs> Dude, real quick. The History Channel can be anything in the entire history of everything that happened before right now. Okay. And instead, I will watch a documentary on the creation of the toaster. Okay. <laughs> but no, what does History Channel do? Did aliens create the monuments that are in Washington, D.C.? I'm not going to get into this. <laughs> this podcast is about that, but yes, they did. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're going to definitely have an episode dedicated to that at some point. Scotty has his tinfoil hat on, but yeah, quickly, I, I had, you know, I had a great weekend last weekend, you know, chilled with my, some of my boys, played in my men's league game on Sunday, had another great Sunday. But I'll tell you what, two weekends ago, I was down in Philly so coaching some sixth graders. And, man, are those sixth grade parents tough. I know we talked about Sides, it. For two hours, Sides did what Scotty and I do every day. No, I did it for a weekend. I coached five games. Wow. Five games. We went 0-5. Whew. Were you sober? Well, bud. Coaching? Was I sober coaching? Of course. Okay. If, I, yeah, come on. Take my job seriously. I don't know, man. We saw some of the tape. I was 0-5, but the kids had fun. And we got better throughout the tournament. That's what's important. You know, we Scott, started, he just kept telling them to run the hidden ball trick, and they, they ended up 0 for 5. No, I mean, they're sixth graders. I could barely get them into a 1-3-2 you know, offense. <laughs> they're running around. from the sideline. Yeah. But yes, that you know, love that recap, Scotty. You need to be better when Greg's in town. You better go. You know, I got it. with him. First of all, Greg, we won't go into it, but I, I've earned my keep. <laughs> but as always, you know, this episode's brought to you by Roback. You know, it's getting a little nippier out. You see Scotty rocking that hoodie. It's coming in handy right now in that, you know, Great. cool fall breeze. Go to Roback.com. Check it out. Use promo code RiseUp20 to get your gear. And also, uh, we're sponsored by Level Select CBD. It's formulated with premium CBD and complementary active ingredients to deliver results you can feel. Level Select produces their own premium quality CBD and can deliver the best products to you for the best prices, all backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make sure you use promo code RISE20 to get some of your Level Select CBD. You crushed it. Oh. I know, I'm getting better at it. Undefeated. Better at it. Undefeated. And before we get into the news and updates, I want to touch on one more thing. This episode, when it drops, it will be the first week of November. Um, I want to shout out the Movember Foundation. I'm encouraging everyone to grow their mustaches out. I'm saying right now, you guys don't have to agree to it, but I think because I won the record this year for picking games, you both have to have a mustaches. I don't know. What do you think about that? I will write a check, and I will not be growing a mustache. <laughs> what, 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 what happened? 
I will never grow a mustache. All right. I thought I'd try. I will be growing a mustache. I will be encouraging everyone to grow their mustaches out. I've been involved with the foundation since college. Actually, in, in 2018, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, had a little battle with that. And, you know, because of the Movember Foundation, you know, they, some of their principles are, you know, teaching, you know, don't be, you know, the big macho tough guy and tough it out. You know, I found a lump in my neck. I knew, you know, something wasn't right. Went and got it checked out. We were able to find it early. And, you know, because of the Movember Foundation, you know, what they taught that, uh, you know, I was able to kind of detect that and, and get through it. And now I'm here sitting with you guys. So, you know, I always like to give back to Movember and, and spread awareness in any way I can. And that mustache is a big conversation starter where you can, you know, someone at work says, you know, what are you rocking that goofy ass mustache for? And I said, you know what, for <laughs> men's health awareness. So I, I was waiting for you to ask that. And now I can make you feel terrible about yourself. What is this, episode 15, Sives, and you flippantly tell us that you had Hodgkin's lymphoma at one point? Yeah, 2018. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not like, hey, man, like, I, I you know, I, my like, I don't know. Like, I, I got a bad haircut one time. You're like, yeah, I just had, like, a quick bout with it. Or what? I don't let it define you. Did you hit or quit of that shit? No, I don't let it define you. see my you face? Know, I, I crushed it. So, yeah, no, in, uh, in the fall of 2018, right after my senior year of college, um, found it. Did six months with chemo, kicked it, and then I was actually at training camp that spring with the cannons. Like that was my that was my goal at the end of like going through chemo. I was like, you know, you know, I'm working a you know desk job. That's great. No, I want to get back to that. But like, what I really want to get back to is like I want to beat this and I want to get out there and play. You know, this spring, this summer, like that was like my end goal. And like I was able to get out there for training camp. It was like a little slow, but I like, worked my way back into it. And like that was the biggest. You know, end goal. So yeah, that's you know, God damn, guys, you're a fucking savage. Man. You're a fucking badass. Thanks for me. I appreciate it. Well, that's a great message. Absolutely, and I will be writing a check because my wife will not like me wearing a mustache. That should not happen. But I will definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, yes, you can support in many different ways. But yes, I appreciate it, fellas, and I encourage all the listeners to grow out their mustaches for this November. So, fellas, you know, we, we can get into, you know, the news and updates. We have, you know, a lot of news kind of came out uh, in the past two weeks since we last spoke. A little bit more clarity around this free agent period and also a, a coach stepping down. Uh, I think we can, you know, start off with the, you know, Rube stepping down. I kind of found this pretty interesting considering past two years he kind of built – you know, the Atlas to be the team that he wanted to be. I'm sure, you know, every, like everyone else, you know, there's obligations and he's got a family and he's got probably, you know, I know he coached at their academy, but you know, what do you guys think about, you know, not only him stepping down, but maybe what's the future for the, for the Atlas in the near term, you know, hiring a coach with the free agent period going. Well, yeah, dude, I listen, nobody realizes the commitment for these coaches too, right? Like it's the players. We're always focusing on the players, but the coaches have to do the now a GM role, which probably is a little different for Rubes, right? And he, what does he have in his fourth kid, I think? I think I he's something like, something like his fourth kid or something. So, I mean, listen, it, that shit, the life shit, heads up. And it's not just the summer anymore. It's from when's training camp? May through, it's now it's September. It's, it's, it's his full season. So, yeah. I just think that shit happens. I feel bad because you can tell he loved it. I remember when he first got signed to be the new coach of the Atlas, one of the quotes in the interview was that he wanted to be the Bill Belichick of pro lacrosse. Yeah. And we all kind of raised our eyebrows like, wow, this guy's got some – he's got some goals. Yeah. And he did it. He literally built this program, reset the whole thing, robbed life. the cannons blind – and we just talked on the last episode about how he has like the we're all jealous of the off season that he gets to have, um, and yeah, family. I mean, look, that's the reason I stopped playing. I felt like I still had a couple more years in me, and I couldn't because, look, man, that first couple times you got to leave your kids on a weekend, it's it changes you. Yeah. And when you uh, if if he's having his fourth kid. I mean, I don't know how anybody has – I don't know how anyone plays zone, okay? I don't know how any – we only play man-to-man in my house. Two kids is it. But, like, being having to leave and your family's playing zone, man, I mean, God bless them because obviously it's a, it, it couldn't have been a light decision because I would have thought that we were going to see Ben Rubior. In fact, one of the first things that popped into my head when I saw he was resigning before I actually read – you know why that he was focusing more on his family. My thought was like, oh man, he probably got like a big time Division One job. Yeah, you know, like that's where my head went because he's so good at this. Um, it's so game. yeah, it's a shame for lacrosse fans, but I, I'm wishing him the best. Obviously, him and his family are doing what they think is best. Is there someone that comes right to mind for you guys that you know is a great fit for this role? Unless they put what Kenny Clausen was the assistant. 
Yeah. Maybe so, so someone's filling in in the inter- interim, and it wasn't Ken Clausen. It was um the the other guy on staff. I forget. He's, Stephen he's, Brooks. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brooksy could coach. We'll see. Yeah, it would be interesting to see who. Else. I mean, yeah, Brooksy. I mean, has a great mind for it. The, the, yeah. What people have to realize when it comes to something like this, it's not just a good mind for lacrosse, but the biggest part of it is managing men. And we have talked about that in the past. The really successful coaches so far have proven that they know how to do that in the PLL. And, you know, I'm trying to think back, like, like, like a name that comes to mind, but I don't know if he would be interested at all would be Tony Resch. Tony Resch is great. Dude, every single person who's ever played for that man would love to play for him. What do you say? There's a handful of MLL coaches that, you know, aren't coaching. Like, what about Spolina? I mean, you played for him in Long Island. Would would he be a good fit, you think? I think Joe's done it before. We, obviously, I won a championship with Joe in 2015. Um, he was actually the general manager of the Lizards, too. Uh, when the, the league folded, he was the head coach and the general manager. But Joe has a lot going on, man. Joe, So, you know, Joe's the head coach of Stony Brook. He's also a hell of a coach for the 91 club program. He has, uh, he has obviously the number one recruit in the country. The new number 22 is his son, Joey he's, Spelina. He's, at managing, he's, manages, he's managing his son. He also has two, his twin boys, his second and third kids. They're committed to play at Syracuse. His, his first daughter is an absolute stud, and he's got another daughter. So, like, that's a loaded family of a lot of things. I don't know at this point in his life, if he'd be willing to give that up because you're going to miss a lot of stuff yeah. if you if you go back into coaching. So now, granted, the PLL, even though you have a general manager and it's a bigger you know league as far as money's concerned, the weekends are way shorter in the PLL from a commitment standpoint overall time. You're in and out in 24 hours. Whereas the MLL, you were there for like – it felt like 72 hours, Scotty. But you, you were there for two full days at least. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I know Joe very well. I think he's awesome. But I don't know if he'd be willing to do that at this point in his, his career. I agree. Beast, I think Spencer Ford, Dave Cottle. Like, oh, dude, Spencer Ford would love this. Yes. Spencer Ford would love this. Uh, I don't know. Dave, Dave Cottle is, is crushing the – lacrosse scene right now. I don't know if he has time with legendary sports group over there, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, there's definitely people who've done it before and I think would love to be part of this. And I also think there are names that I wouldn't have thought of that would be interested that probably are now from the old MLO days because Mike and Paul have done such a good job of Olive Branch pulling out the, the history of MLL, bringing it on board as like one unity, right? Like if someone said, hey, Greg, like what what's your – do you have any records? I, I would be like, yeah, it's a PLL record. It's this, you know, because that's what people know now. So, yeah, I think there's going to be some names that pop up that are interesting. But what I loved about Rubior was that wasn't somebody who was kind of part of the boys club. That was somebody who was new, fresh, young. It's like a long And um, it would be interesting because – Look, let's be honest. Like the first, the beginning of the PLL, it was kind of guys like Andy Copeland's a perfect example. Okay. Andy Copeland and Fairfield parted ways, right? And it was, you know, it was mutual. And then he starts and he's like, hey, now I'm a prof- the professional lacrosse league champion, um, premier lacrosse league champion. So, you know, in the past, it has been guys who were let go from a college program or stopped coaching in college and then had more time. Stags is another example. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll see. Absolutely, I think it's definitely something we should keep an eye on. And, and like we said, Rube's left it in a good place for whoever comes next. There's there's another some something else I want to touch upon with the new off season. Some key dates that just got released. Um, October 26th. So when this podcast comes out, it'll be last week. Is the opening day for the trade window. December 2nd is the deadline for any trades involving existing roster and or draft picks. February 23rd, or excuse me, February 2023 is the final date hasn't been released yet, but that's when the championship series will take place. 
What that is is the Sixes tournament with the top four uh, teams that finished in the standings, the Whipsnakes, the Chrome, the Archers, and the Atlas. And then March 6th, following the championship series, the trade window will reopen, truly kicking off the first ever free agency period for their 25-man rosters. And then April 1st, the trade window closes. So it's kind of an abbreviated start, then it shuts down for the sixes, and then it picks right back up. So it's 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 definitely an elongated period. I think it's inherently going to be like that because the PLL season is so compact and where it's just the summer. But I think it'll be interesting to see if anything kicks off. Anyone, you know, has a has a Woj bomb right off the bat. I'm really interested to see if that, you know, happens right away. Well, it's interesting. I mean, if you we talked about the salary thing in like uh, last episode where people are going to start talking when people start signing about how much money people are making. And our boy Dan Arestia, like Shout out because Dan Dan has like his finger on the pulse. I feel like he's the Woj of lacrosse right now. Like he like Ty Sanders is the is the Woj of like children's lacrosse. Dan is like the 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 Woj of this. Like he knows what's happening before we do. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested to see exactly. You know, it's when we look at this calendar. I don't want to say it, it feels forced, but it's almost like where are you trying to put the Sixes tournament? Where are you trying to put this championship thing? Uh, because we talked a little bit about it before we got on the air. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be indoor guy indoor lacrosse played outdoor by guys who aren't playing indoor, and it's gonna be fascinating to see. Unique. I think it will be fascinating to see, but I also think it's going to happen in a time of the year where people are excited about lacrosse, right? It's it's right at the beginning of the college season, uh, and people are definitely going to be excited to watch it, but I think you're right where it's happening at a time in the professional calendar where it hinders some teams based on you know their rosters and people playing in the NLL, but – I mean, thankfully, the chaos didn't finish top four, or else they wouldn't have been able to field the team. <laughs> Yo, well, here's my question, because I think it's a unique and cool idea, and I like that people are picking up the Sixes thing, and they're trying to capitalize Got on it, it, right? You're seeing leagues popping up all over the place and et cetera, which is great. But you are comp- we have to think, how, how are we going to watch this? Because the biggest complaint early for lacrosse in the early college season, if you're a Big Ten team – or you're an ACC team, it's like we don't get to see the games because it's basketball season. And ESPN doesn't want to touch lacrosse. They always want to talk about basketball because you're right about to hit March Madness. So we're going to be having conference championship games, et cetera, and you're going to be competing with that. So if the deal is with ESPN – It's got to be plus. It's going to be ESPN plus. It's got – yeah, it's going to be ESPN plus. And, and actually – but what I'm saying is, is like that's crazy because – that says a lot about the dedication that ESPN has to this deal because they are in the middle of basketball season where they are already – how many freaking cameras and cameramen does ESPN have that they can actually put this on ESPN Plus? They're just going to be having random intern college kids with their phones streaming it for us. Like, I don't know how they're going to fit it, but it's an interesting time of year for sure. And I'll tell you what, I think you know, as a lacrosse fan, the season where you guys are in the bubble – was awesome for viewing because right it was during the week you know i pop out of work and throw a game on like it's easier to watch than in the summer when you're going to the beach or you know you're you know you're outside right and so on a saturday you know exactly exactly so like unless you know if it's you know at night or you know during the week i think it makes viewing easier for the fans but We'll see. Dude, that would be sick. Lacrosse isn't there yet where these guys could not – these guys most of them probably have a job too. But if we got to the point where these guys were all making at least a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you could be like, hey, look, this tournament's going to be sick. It's going to be like the World Games. You're going to play five games in eight days and we're gonna have a cha- and then we're going to have a championship. Um, and we watched it at night during the week. That would be fantastic. I love that idea. No, yeah, it's it's really going to be interesting to pan out. I'm excited for it. I'm excited, like I said, for that October 26th date. Hopefully, by the time this episode drops, we'll have some some rumbling, some action. I hope someone you know tries to make waves right away. It'll be it'll be awesome to see. But you know, we will have to wait and see. We know what the what the champion like. What is the prize for that? Like, other than making a couple grand, like, what's the incentive? We need a couple grand. No, I don't. I don't know what they're going to get paid to do this. Like, it's not part of their normal contract. Right. So, is it not? Are they not on yearly, co- annual contracts? 
don't think so. I mean, I can't imagine that guys who signed in 2019 were like, hey, by the way, 2023, we got something cool coming. Yeah, um, I agree with that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Hey, Dan, get on that, man. F- figure that out for us. Yeah, I'll, Dan. I'll, or Dan Saib or Dan Arrestia. Dan Arrestia. Not yeah, you. Yeah. You can't figure shit out. Yeah, Dan Arrestia. He's he's I was going to say, if you were to tell hey, me. I'm starting the rumor right now. This I is something people didn't know. I Dan Arrestia is actually an investigative reporter for Rise Up. You didn't know that. <laughs> Great job out there, man. Well, the that's, all, that's all I got for updates with the new offseason. We'll see how it pans out. We'll keep everyone updated on social media. Um, we'd love to hear what you guys think about this, what you guys think what might be some good trades from teams that should make some big waves. Uh, with that being said, we're going to move on to our interview with PLL champion and PLL championship MVP, Michael Sowers. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Happy World Series, man. I appreciate it, man. Let's go. <laughs> we getting into a Philly talk already? We're not going to escape it tonight, dog. <laughs> well, well, let me, let me kick it off first. Um, I want to welcome to the podcast Michael Sowers. He needs no introduction. Princeton alumni, spent some time at Duke, a member of your 2022 champions, Water Dogs. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for joining. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. So, Mike, obviously the first question is, where were you when the Phillies sealed the deal and went to the World Series? So Everybody I, wants to know. The – Oh, this I, I thought you were talking about oh eight. This past weekend I was um I was uh geez, I, I'm losing track of my days here. You blacked out? Uh, yeah. I don't even know what they sealed it on. <laughs> Once it got to the bottom of the eighth, Mikey put back a few and was like, I can't win this. Yeah. Now nah, the um I feel like just Philly sports in general. Sixers get their first win the other night. Birds are hot, like I, don't know. I mean, obviously, we've been the underdog in every series, but you just felt like they were pulling it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, like- I was in Philly briefly on Sunday, and I felt like people are awkwardly optimistic in Philadelphia right now, yeah. which is usually never the case. They put they changed pitchers in that last game, and everybody around me was like, well, I mean, he's done a great job. Why doubt him now? I'm like, you guys have changed, man. Usually when a coach does anything wrong, you fry him in this town. What's going yeah. on? We got soft. Hey, kill him. I mean, I think uh, just like I, I'm living downtown in Philly. So just like the energy, like Sunday night. Oh, yeah. We, uh, I mean, you could barely like drive. People were just everywhere in the streets. Um, awesome. I mean, it's best sports town in America. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Yes. What's your go-to spot down there in Philly? I mean, I think the classic spot is Xfinity, but that uh, yeah. for any any sort of like sporting event. But, um, but I mean, me personally, uh, like I'm like a, a homebody. So anytime like it's a big game and I want to just enjoy it, like I always I'll go back to my dad's. We watch all of the Eagles uh, back at my dad's, like smart. me, all my brothers. Yeah. Just like – like I actually enjoy watching the game, you know. Like I don't want to be in like a crowded bar where people are screaming. You can't even like hear what the <laughs> yeah. is going on. Like I rather. Just I, don't, be yeah, I don't think I'm ever. I'm not allowed back in Fishtown ever again. So. <laughs> I was telling I was telling these guys, Michael, that uh, when we went down for the the championship game down in Philly, I brought some of the the Torch Pro guys out to Drinkers. That's my favorite spot down there. Grab a couple forty ounces. It's like a college bar, right? Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's kind yeah, of like near Rittenhouse, right near Rittenhouse Square. You might as well have gone to Drexel. <laughs> no, the uh, I like I like Chicky and Pete's down in South South uh, Philly for for games. Yeah, that's a great spot. Great food. Yeah, yeah, Mike. So, um, so let's 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 change gears a little bit. Um, Scotty's get and get an aneurysm right in front of me here when we talk about Philly sports. So, um, so first, let's just kick it off, man. Tell me, tell us about what it was like this season playing for the dogs, uh, being healthy, being able to make a run at the end there and win that championship. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, it was really cool. Obviously I think, uh, like the last really like the last three years for me personally have been like a bit of a roller coaster, obviously with the injury stuff, uh, COVID was unique for everybody. I mean, that was crazy for me. Um, so I think like just being able to like settle in, and just, like, play again, you know? Like, it was, like, falling back into a routine, like, feeling comfortable with the team. 
getting to know the guys, like getting some chemistry. Like it just, it was cool to be back in that environment. And then I think for me, like people always say like you get hot at the right time. Like this is like the first time that like I've really been a part of that where, you know, like August we lose out in Seattle, come back three weeks later, we probably play, play our best game against the Atlas. And then like we were just rolling at that point. Yeah. I mean, it was similar to like us talking about sports. Like we just felt like we were going to win, you know, and like obviously everybody you play down the stretch is legit and you don't know what to expect. But I just, I mean, me personally, I, I just had a confidence going into each week that like we were going to find a way. And, and we did, whether it was like it was complimentary to lacrosse, like some games defensive win, some games offensive win. So it was cool. Well, it was just awesome to watch you be healthy towards the end there because, you know, you go back to the, just bad luck, right? Princeton, you guys were back. You were on a roll and then COVID. And then you go to Duke and, you know, it doesn't work out there. Then you're injured a little bit. And we actually had a show where I was talking about how I felt bad because I was like, selfishly as fans, you know, we're, we're waiting for you to be able to stay healthy so we can watch the Mikey Sowers full, you know, full speed ahead. And then you started to to turn it on in the playoffs, man. And you were awesome down the stretch. You were huge. And one of the things, just so you know, when we were in the stands, one of the common things that we heard around people were like, I had no idea how hard and how often Sowers gets hit. And I feel like you are finally getting the respect you deserve for being such a tough son of a bitch. Yeah, I I appreciate it. I mean, I think for me, like the concussions, that's obviously like a tough thing. I mean, I grew up like playing football and stuff. Like I always said, like I'll play through like a hamstring pull. Like, I'll play through, like, you know, broken fingers, whatever, but, like, the head is where it gets, like, a little dicey. And I think, uh, you know, this was, like, the first time in a long time that, like, I felt, like, confident, like, feeling good from a head standpoint. I mean, even the se- my senior year at Princeton, and especially at Duke, like, the narrative for me was always, like, like if, you, if you're going across the middle, like, you got to get down. Like, you can't get hit. Yeah. And I think this year, I mean – uh, shout out to Q Collar because, I mean, wearing that, like, you do feel so much more confident. And I think for me, like, I was just able to, like, feel like myself again. And I still, like, yeah. I took a ton of shots, but I was able to pop right back up. And I think also it's crazy, like, not going through, like, the week, the weekly, like, banging of a college practice. You know, like, yeah. you know, you're essentially getting hit one day of the week. Like, I can live with that. For me in college, like, I was never somebody that could, like, tune it back. You know, and like not going off full speed. Yeah, so it. it I think. Uh, I think that was a huge part of it too. Well, can you can you just tell us a little bit more about the Q collar? Because the owner of Q collar and I have gone back and forth a little bit because we have some FOA stuff that we're considering with them. But I'm very. I think people listening would love to know more about what it does and and why you would wear it as a, someone who might sustain concussions. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the science behind it is a little above my, a little above my. <laughs> Come on, you're a Princeton guy. Get out of here. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say that for the doctors. But, I mean, I could just tell you, like, firsthand, like, you know, I've had five diagnosed concussions, and they were all in college. Um, so, and that's not even, like, including, like, all the times in high school football, you know, you get pretty much knocked out on the turf, and it's like, yeah. come on, like, we got to play another down. So, I think for me, when I got hit in Boston – uh that was like the first time like a doctor like mentioned like you should think about like not playing again, you know, like you get another hit and like who knows. So it was really just like finding anything possible that would like prevent concussions or at least like minimize the impact. And I think, you know, I was like researching a bunch and actually it was when I drove up to Albany to be with the team late in the season, I saw Jesse Bernhardt out there wearing the Q collar. And uh, after that, I reached out to them, connected with the team. They were great. They explained it to me. Um, and I think just, like, putting it on, uh, like, you do, you feel a different sense of confidence. But also, too, like, I will walk away from games, walk away from hits, and you'll be like, you get hit, and it would be like, did I just get a concussion? You know, like, it's in your yeah. head. And I th- with this, like, I can walk away from games, feel, fr- feel fine walking off the field. Um, is it more preventative? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is it more preventative, or is it – more of an alert system to tell you no i think it's more preventative more of like um it's more of like kind of minimizes the impact Impact. that like 
have on your brain. So I think mm. science, and I'm going to butcher this 100%, is it like it hits some arteries in your neck that traps blood up around your brain, create mm. artif- artificial like bubble wrap almost. So concussion, like your brain sloshes side to side in the, in the skull, the cue collar will like keep blood around the brain. Interesting. Yeah, because I know we were just talking about this with a friend of mine. We were trying to count how many concussions, undiagnosed concussions we've had in our lives. And, you know, it's something I always think about, especially because I'm almost 40 and I I don't want that to be an issue for me long term for my kids and whatnot. But we were always told, you know, we don't know anything about concussions still, but we always were told about, oh, it means your brain hits your skull. It's like it's not what a concussion is. It's the rotational force that releases a, a neurochemical and then it, when that chemical's in there, it causes the CTE long-term. And if you have repetitive hits to the head that cause more concussions, that's the danger, right? Like you look at the Tua situation, coming back a little too quickly, yeah. that's the danger of concussions is coming back too early and then that repetitive rotational force to the brain. Dude, we used to do like Oklahoma drills, youth football. I'd be like, I'm seeing stars. The coach would be like, shake it off. I'd be like, Ugh. shake it off. Yep. Right. Shake it off. Right. Like, what am I doing? I probably had a concussion. Well, that's awesome that you found something that gives you that that confidence. And then when you were in that championship game, we, we talked to Withers a little bit. But when you're in that championship game and you guys went down a little early and then the two-pointer was called back and it was a one-pointer, what was the huddle like when you guys walked back out to the field where you're like, okay, this is doable? I mean, I think uh, when that two went, I remember talking to my brother after the game. I was like, that too went like that. <laughs> that could have broken open a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, playing Blaze too, like, you know, especially for me, uh, Withers wins the, like, out front. Or we get, like, a break off the opening draw. I have, like, a wide open step down from eight. You put it, like, bottom left. That goes against 99%. 99%. Yep. You know, not, yeah. not the and Blaze. So I think that, like, that was like a little rattling at first for us too, just like adjusting to him. Like he's going to make saves that he don't, you know, and like we just can't let the momentum get away just because he makes an unreal save. Like that's going to be part of the game. And I think, you know, we really do. Like we have great leaders and Jeremy McArdle, Connor Kelly. Um, D-Nat, yeah. I mean, on the offensive end though, like that was like a huge message. I think CK said that like, hey, Blaze is going to make saves. Like, we got to just keep shooting. And I think it was like him coming down the the opening goal was for us was Ryan Brown sets like a pick coming out of the box. CK gets his hands free and like stings one. And I think that like after that, everybody like takes a deep breath. People are going to be able to score on on Blaze. I also think it's easier to, you know, there's a lot on a faceoff guy's shoulder. If you guys go down early, right? You go down, what was it, four nothing? Yeah. Yeah, four. But like, if you're going down four nothing and you're zero for five on faceoffs, that's like ah shit. Like we're we're not winning this today. But when when Withers start, I think Withers won the first four or five faceoffs. It's kind of like, look, we're going. We know we're going to get our possessions. But also, Wardo played awesome and almost like in that second half, man, it was like it was like save for save. And one of the things that jumped out at me, especially when you guys came back, and in that second half. You force the chaos to make mistakes that we usually don't see them make. And we talked all year about how the water dogs play fast. Like, you guys scoop a ground ball up in the defensive end. That thing is down in, in like, five seconds in the offensive end, three passes, and you score. So tell us about how your guys, your speed, not just on the offensive side, but from from goal line to goal line. Transition, yeah. Yeah, played you guys, played you guys into the position to win that thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, that's always been something that, like, Cope's always preached. Because, like, six on six in that league, it's so hard to score on team. So I think that, like, naturally, you have a lot of, like, natural offensive middies, particularly in the chaos, that, like, possession's over, ball hits the ground. Like, a lot of those guys attack them and play in midfield. They want to go to the box. So I think right for us, I mean, and we we wanted to run all year. That's part of our DNA, like in Courier, Scarp at Rutgers was a huge two-way guy. I mean, D-Nap scored like every game since he came back. Um, so I think that that was naturally in our DNA, but it, particularly against them where, you know, they're good, settled six-on-six defense. Like you got to find other ways to get to 11, 12 goals or else you're not going to beat them. 
So yeah. I think it was like, all right, we know we're going to be able to manufacture four or five goals, six on six, even, maybe even six, seven goals. So where are the other goals going to come from? It's got to be transition, got to steal one in the ride, got to have one on, on man up. But, you know, like I said, it's like the the transition stuff, I, I feel like, in our DNA, partially because of those D mids and just running. Mikey, yeah. talk to me about – we had Rowlett on last, and he said toughest cover would be you, right? Anyone that could get a bucket – you can get a bucket. And that's a compliment coming from a guy like that. But who's the, who do you think your toughest matchup is as a defender? I, I think, I mean, I, I probably give it back to, to Rowlett and JT. I mean, yeah. both those guys, like, uh, I think for me more than anything, like I've always struggled with guys that like know me well, you know, more so than like big and rangy or like super athletic, even though both those guys are um, guys that like know me. And me and JT, when I got to Duke, like, we literally went against each other every single day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To the point where it got to, like, you know, we were meeting at the island. Like, whoever wins the pushing match is going to win. It Usually it wasn't me, but, uh, <laughs> the like, with, with Rowlett, it's, it's kind of the same thing. And I think he's a he, – I think he's, like, a, a pretty special athlete. Like, the one play that sticks out for me in my mind was, like, Coming down, I had it like in the top left corner in the championship game, like hit a couple moves. I, I mean, anybody else, I'm like three or four moves in, like how is he still in front of me? And then he ends up going over the head while I'm going full speed. Like that was yeah. uh, that was pretty crazy. So, you know, I think he does a great job. Like I said, too, JT is just so solid. Well, your speed is such a weapon. And then we talked about how I don't think a lot of people understand how physical you play. Tell us about your strength and conditioning in the offseason. Now that you – I've always said that you learn a lot about a player after he graduates. That second season, you learn what – if he knows how to be a pro or not because there's nobody waking you up telling you to go to strength and conditioning. You have to do all that stuff on your own. So tell us about your what you do in the offseason to prepare for this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, Scott, you'll appreciate this, but like yeah. because of the Rando piece – like, I literally, I haven't touched a weight since, uh, like, last April, last May. Yeah. Um, and that's literally because of the rhabdo, like. That shit's because, scary, dude. Yeah. yeah, crazy. So, I think for me, going into this next year, that's that's something I'm excited to get, like, back into. Is, I mean, throughout the season, I wasn't able to lift. But for me, it was always, like, I always felt like, like, strength, obviously, is a huge part of lifting and squatting and having a good solid base, but I was always like, I'm, I'm strong enough, you know? And I think like so much of strength too is like toughness. Like I'm not afraid to get hit. I'm not afraid to bang into anybody. So my strength yeah, will like you're always reckless. be there. <laughs> and uh, it, it's also too, just like being in shape. Like, can I be at the same speed in the first quarter as I am in the fourth? And I think for me, that's like a huge part of it. And then bigger than anything is like my stick is always dialed in. So like I'm huge – like morning, get up, do conditioning, stick work. And then at night, like my routine has always been since I've been at Princeton, hit the wall at night. 15, even if it's just 15 minutes, it's, uh, it's just, it's always giving me the confidence. Like my stick is always dialed in. Imagine that. One of the best lacrosse players in the world is saying that kid should hit the wall. Right. <laughs> I just you want know, to uh, dig a little deeper on that. You know, you talk about, you know, your your strength and conditioning and your speed work. And I think, right, it's no surprise to anyone, you know, your speed, your change of direction is, you know, out of this world. Is that something that kind of came naturally to you or something you really had to work hard on to, you know, really hunker down? I, I remember I, when I was in college, I was like a sophomore and my buddy who's from PA, my roommate was like, look at this kid's high school highlight video like this kid is nuts and i watched it and you were just crossing kids up left and right i was like holy shit mike, this kid is mike you train with i seen your fit, your footwork stuff on instagram you train you have like a, a speed guy right yeah he actually started out like training nfl people but then to your point i mean like i i was told at a young age and i think this always stuck with me like you can get faster but like it's got to be something that you prioritize just like you would stick work or lifting mm -hmm. so for me it's like when I'm in the off season, rather than just like going out and shooting step downs, like every day I'm actively working on my speed. It's like footwork drills, cone drills, ladder stuff. And I think that was like a big change for me when I was in high school. Uh, when I was like training for the U19 tryouts, it's like, all right, I got to separate myself somehow. And it was conditioning and speed. 
You know, it's like, I'm not going to make this as like a post up at five and five guy. Like I got to be able to run by anybody, you know, and that's going to be my role if I make this team. And I think from that point, it's just always been something that's a part of my team, my, my routine. Like I think when I was young, I was definitely like fast. Um, and for me, I think I got lucky because like a lot of my moves that I do in lacrosse, like it's a lot orthodox. It comes straight from football. Like I've always, if I like run out of ideas for moves, like I don't like watch lacrosse lacrosse highlights really. Like I watch like football highlights of people juking. Is it receivers? Like, receivers. Like my yeah. favorite to watch is like Jerry Judy. His highlights at Alabama, just because like his See. footwork, like how he would put his foot in the ground. I think there's so much you can take away from that. Like LaShawn McCoy, same thing. Like the way yeah. he used to break people down in space, same thing. Yeah. You know, it's the – I think this is a good lesson too. I'm always trying to – like when we have people on here that are exceptional, I try to point out things in case younger viewers happen to be listening or a father of a younger player. You know, I always – like when I learned how to be a strength coach at Penn State, I, I studied kinesiology, and we always talked about how you can make anyone faster – now, you might not be able to make a slow person fast, but you can make anybody faster. And the reason I'm bringing that up is you were somebody who was given a talent, a God-given talent, and most guys would have been like, ha, I'm faster. And then they would have settled on being faster. Yeah. You wanted to optimize your speed. So you're a perfect example of what happens when you're given something and then you optimize it. And that's why that's literally what you're known for. So, you know, a lot of credit goes to you. And I th- hope hope people listening on this get something from that. Yeah. Works his ass off. Now, I, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I think the, uh, you know, that that's a huge part of it, too. I mean, the other thing, too, is, like, the importance of, like, playing two sports for, like, younger kids. Like, if I wasn't yeah. last off season or last fall, like – I didn't touch my lacrosse stick for like three months. Like I was playing in two flag football leagues. Cause like, it's just like, you know, like in the winter I was playing basketball. That's how it was in high school. Like I didn't really touch my stick too much in the off season. It was like working on your athleticism, like playing other sports. Flag football now is a little different than playing high school football. Like it's still, you know, it's still the same thing kind of. So I, I mean, I think that I know that's like hyped up now, but I, I, I think it's so important. It can't be said enough. Just like it is important. You're right. I, I remember actually they used to ask Jerome Bettis how he had that wiggle as such a big guy, and he used to say growing growing up playing flag football because you have to move your hips so they can't grab the flag. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you know, I feel like flag football is like the perfect thing to, to do for someone like yourself. Um, and it is interesting. And, we, and we've done like, you know, an episode before on youth sports and stuff and the youth lacrosse and whatnot. But, you know, that's always the answer. Everybody knows that you can be a better athlete if you don't play lacrosse year round. All year round. So, yeah. The only problem is, is recruiting happens in the summer, all summer and in the fall. So the same people saying, hey, I only want to recruit multi-sport athletes. By the way, I will be at the NXT tournament on the sideline in October watching you. So don't play football this fall. So that's, you know, it's like a catch-22. It's just a different game now, dude. Like, I played football, basketball, lacrosse. I played basketball just for my footwork. I mean, it's just different now. No, yeah. such a good point. I, I can't imagine showing up to like a Tuesday night, 10 p.m. flag football game and just you just, just demoralizing <laughs> people out there. That That's a nightmare in itself. Holy shit. Sorry, you got him on an island. You're good. Hey, um, so Mike, we have this impending offseason um, free agency coming up for the first time in pro lacrosse, outdoor pro lacrosse at least, you know. What's the buzz like, whether it's the, the Water Dogs or just the league in general, guys you've talked to with this whole offseason? Like, where are people's mindset at? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I think it's going to be interesting. I think that uh, – I don't know if anybody really knows what to expect. I think – I mean, you guys know how it is, though. I, like, I think, especially with these pro teams, like, some of the locker rooms, I think we get lucky. Like, we have, like, a very close locker room. Everybody enjoys yeah. being around each other. So – I think that, like, that's going to make free agency, like, pretty interesting because, like, I, I don't know. I, like, I can't imagine anybody wants to leave our team. I don't know how the other teams are going to be, but, you know, I think uh, I think everybody's, like, pretty happy with where they're at. So I think it, it'll be pretty interesting to see, like, how it all shakes out with the new format. 
So, you know, when you guys are looking at repeating, you know, I mean, the, the I selfishly, some of us, we actually had a poll outside of the stadium on the game day, and we were talking about, is it better for the league for the Water Dogs to win or for the Chaos to come back and win again? And overwhelmingly, the people outside said um, that it was better for the league for the Water Dogs to win. Now, we don't know if that's because they believe that or if you bought 150 tickets and people were all standing around saying that. That fan um, section was sick. Dude, this Mikey Sowers fan section was unbelievable. <laughs> that uh, that crew travels well, especially when it's in our backyard. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, you know, what's the mindset now? Now that you're a professional champion, you know, have you guys gotten on the horn with the team group chat? Is it is it still buzzing or does it die down a little bit because people have some offseason stuff to worry about? No, I think um, like our, our, our group chat, like it's usually buzzing. Um, the, like there's definitely people that are more active than others, but our, our group buzzing for the most part. Uh, so I think, you know, like for us, like I said, I think Coat, credit to, to Coat, like he did such a good job of just like building a team. And I know he always said like it starts with the locker room. And I mean, you guys know better than anybody. Like I, I think in Prolax, it really does from what I've experienced. Like oh, every, everything. every team's so talented, but it's like, who's willing to, to like accept a role and like buy into like, you know, something bigger uh, to, to try and win something. And I think, you know, we, we were a great example of that where, you know, guys like really played their role. Um, and, and I think it clicked down the stretch and, 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 and everybody saw it. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I, I don't want to keep you too long tonight. So I want to ask you one more question. You are in the tryout process with Team USA right now. How, how has that whole thing been going for you? How, how do you, uh, you know, the guys in the locker room, all that stuff, what do you think of the, of Coach Donowski and that group? Yeah. I mean, it, it's awesome playing for, for Coach D again. It's cool. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the USA process, and I know you guys have been through it, like it's it's unique just in the sense that, like, it's a tryout, but, like, at the same time, like, it's cool to be playing with guys that, like, you grew up playing against or you watched growing up. It Like, you know, playing Maryland, like, even though it was just for a quarter, like, I got to play on the line with Pinnell and Rambo. Like, those are two guys yeah. that I grew up watching. Um, you know, Rambo being a Philly guy, Pinnell being in college when I was in middle school, like he was a guy like I emulated. So I think it's just like, it's cool. And I think like sometimes you, you kind of had to like, you know, like snap yourself back into it. Like this is a tryout, you know, like you don't have time, I'm competing like, for a spot. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. there's no time to like sit around and like think like that, but um, <laughs> it, it is, it is really cool. And obviously anytime uh, you have a chance to, to wear USA, even if it's just for a tryout, uh, it's pretty special. So it's a, it's a cool experience, no doubt. Yeah. I, um, I think Dino doesn't, I mean, one, first of all, his ability to coach men as a college coach is really impressive. He turned, he turns like a different switch on, but also that group does such a good job of making sure everybody knows, like it's different now that you, this isn't one tryout to be on the team. Like you're on the team. This is the U S tr training team. But you have to and then in. we're going to so, have, yeah. huh? Yeah, and then you have certain guys that are going to travel for the World Games, and you really do feel like it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is such a good point. I mean, it definitely um, – like I said, like sometimes you have to remind yourself that it is a trial because, like, you get down there and, like, it doesn't really feel like that. You know, like right. every, it, it's like it's like a team atmosphere. Like everybody's hanging out in the locker room. Um, it's like an all-star game, yeah. It kind of, right. So it's uh, – it's it's definitely a cool process. I mean, I went in with the uh, with the U nineteen process in mind, thinking it was gonna be like that. Where I mean, Coach Myers, like he has this drilled down, which was like <laughs> such a cool experience too. But you know, just uh, j just different. Yeah, two men that are very good at what they do. No they doubt. do it very very differently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Mikey, thank you so much for coming on, boys. We got any last words from? Now you're the man, bro. You going, you going to any of the World Series games? I'm trying. I'm trying to sneak into one. That's like a bucket list thing. You're so. a world champ, dude. <laughs> you will world see. champ. Get some tickets. Yeah. And that's why he should be allowed in. Because yeah. he can. Rabel, get you some tickets. Yeah, we should get him throwing out a first pitch. Come on. Uh, I, listen, you guys know how to do that. How to get me on? You let me know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Michael. I appreciate you coming on. This was great. All right, fellas. Appreciate you guys. 
Your Thanks man. a lot, brother. Everybody, welcome back. We hope you enjoyed having Michael Sowers on. And I know he's rooting on his Philly teams. Pains me to see, you know, see you win your Phillies hat, Greg, and him being, him being so giddy about how much success the Philly sports are having. But it was awesome having him on. We really thank him and wish him the best of luck in the USA tryouts. Now, moving on, we have our series where we're talking about uh, two teams a week. This week we got the Water Dogs and the Archers, and we're talking about who is a free agent for them and, you know, possible moves they can make. We talked about earlier in the episode. We got some more details around the process. And, and starting off right away with the Water Dogs, you know, the defending champs, we just had Sowers on, you know, the big name that jumps off the page right away. It's a free agent or two names, I should, I should say, are McArdle and Dylan Ward. I mean, those are two giant pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. I mean, l- l- listen, Dylan, they, they have to have Dylan back because I think Dylan's like the rock, the foundation, like in, especially in those big games, he's got so much experience winning. Right. And that, that goes a long way. I think that was a key for them going into it. But Kieran McCardle just had probably one of the best comeback years of anyone that we've seen. Pay that man. Pay that man. Pay the man. Yeah. I think Dylan's going to be back. Kieran's going to be back 100%. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what DNAP does because DNAP's been around a long time. He finally got this ring. I, I, I'm not sure if he's going to hang it up or not after that. He battled some injuries this year. So it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do. I think some of the other names on here, like I think Hasek, they're absolutely going to try to keep him. Um, and you know what's interesting is I still think we haven't seen enough of Charlie Kitchen. I'd be interested to see what he does because I, I got to do plenty of CAA games and watch Charlie Kitchen play for Delaware. The dude can ball, ball. out. And that – attack line is not easy to crack right now. So I'm also interested to see, you know, what happens is Brownie hanging up, you know, do like, I'm interested to see some other things, but I think Kieran and Dylan are coming back. You give them whatever they want. Um, I don't think they're going to ask for much because, you know, like Sauer said, and Scotty, we've said this how many times with, with every single team is loaded with the best players in the world. It always comes down to what locker room is the tightest, what locker room trusts each other the most. When you're a champion, it's really hard to walk away from that, especially when you have a, a solid nucleus of guys who are in their prime right now or younger. Yeah. Now, like we said, it's, it's all culture, right? So, like, I don't think they have a lot of guys that are kind of looking for money, paydays. I think yeah. they have a lot of guys that just want to keep it rolling. I think they like oh, yeah. being together. But I'll, I'll give you guys, you know, devil's advocate. If I'm the Cannons, I'm saying, you know, let's try to sweeten the pot for Ricardo, get him playing the left side with Lyle. Right, he could be the missing piece of the puzzle for the for the Cans, right? Yeah, but Kieran played for the Atlas, and we had every big name available. I right? think Charlie Kitchen is the name you need to take a look at. I think Charlie Kitchen is is a super super talented player that can add value immediately. And if you're an attack line that needs a big, tall, really good offensive player that can be in your starting lineup. That's the guy who I think is most vulnerable when you're the water dogs who may take a peek somewhere else to get some yeah. more people. I agree with that. That's a good point. And I know, I know he's an NOL guy too. So that's, you know, he keeps the stick in his hand all year round playing, you know, competitive games. So, oh, so the chaos will definitely pick him up. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah. We solved it. We solved it right there. But yeah, I think, I think Sowers touched on it the most. You know, he talked about how tight their locker room was and, you know, they want to repeat, right? Why would they break up the band? Unless, like I said, playing devil's advocate, someone goes to McCardle and says, Hey, you just, you know, you were second in the league behind Lyle in points this year. You know, we're going to pay you X amount more. Come play. There's no price. You say there's no price, Scotty, that could make him swing. I don't think Kieran gets wooed. Like he's already kind of done it in the MLL in the the beginning of the PL. He's actually tasted winning. So Kieran, Kieran does well for himself from a lacrosse yeah. standpoint. He has a club program. He does lessons. He actually lives here in Mamaroneck with me now, not with me. Like not right now. <laughs> he could if he wanted to. We we would welcome him. But um, but you know, he's he just got married. Like he's very stable. Everything's stable right now. So I don't think you're gonna woo him somewhere else yeah, for five grand. Like I, he's he's a dude who I think is gonna solidly stay in that locker room. Obviously, everybody likes him and respects him there. Um, and, and everybody seems to love Copeland. So I think I, I can see the water dogs retaining most of these guys with no problem. I agree. 
I, I agree too. I think, you know, like we said, why would you break up the band after a championship? But moving on, I think the next team we want to touch on is the Archers who, you know, at the beginning of the year and, you know, the whole season definitely had championship aspirations. We alluded to at times that, you know, this might be the window for them. And do we think the window's closed? We have some pretty big names that are going to be in free agency, uh, including, you know, Will Manny, Marcus Holman, Connor Fields, Scott Ratliff, um, Matt McMahon, Mark McNeil, Adam Gittleman. I mean, <laughs> they have a lot of people to lock down. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of names, man. And I know these guys are all boys. Um, and, you know, at some point, they would know better than us, right, is – You've been in locker rooms before where you're sitting here going, like, I really like these guys, but I'm also kind of running out of time. Like, I have an opportunity to find a spot where maybe I can go win in the next year or two if I'm the final piece. And I'm still going to be best friends with these guys. I'm still going to be at their weddings. Right. It's, it just means I'm trying to get mine from a ring standpoint. So, you know, I'm interested to see – where that lies. I mean, and like I said, there's only there's only a certain amount of guys who start every game. Scott, so, you got something? Yeah, I mean, the only thing with the Manny and Holman connection is they actually are best friends, but their chemistry is, like, insane. Yeah, I'm not talking specifically about them. I'm just saying yeah. that they're – you look at this nucleus, and like I said, like this nucleus, and by nucleus I mean this is probably their starters. Like their entire starting team is up. <laughs> um, the odds of them getting everybody back – Without telling somebody, and a reminder now, what, what's uh, what's their draft pick situation again? Fourth overall pick. That kid's not going to suck, whoever that is. Okay, right. it's going to be a twenty-five-year-old stud who maybe you know maybe has a kid already and is going to come in as a rookie and he's going to he's going to play. Um, you know, I, I also heard that there's some rumblings that maybe Anasio may have hurt his knee at the OSU alumni game. So I don't know if they go after a face-off guy, what they do. Um, it's a shame if that's true because Anasio really started to hit his stride towards the end of the year. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of guys on this list that may be saying, I only had a couple years left, man. Life's changing for me. You know, I need to get that ring. And totally. I'm sure the cannons are – Yeah, no. And I, I just I actually Holman, just missed I Holman, Holman going to the cannons. Yeah. I miss this. Yo, you're not, too. Not this that, that's that, the uh, other thing, Sibes. That's the thing we're not like really. Who wants to play with Lyle? Right? What a and Asher Nolting. Who wants to be that other guy there? Who totally. wants to be a midfielder with those attackmen on? Like, you know, we say all oh, the cannons, that they're last place. Nobody wants to play with them. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I could get a line around the block of guys who will absolutely want to play on that team right now with those guys. Absolutely. So, I'm going to yeah. ask you guys a tough question because I know you guys are boys with a lot of them. But if you were to pick, you know, anyone that would go the KD route that really is dying for that ring, who would who would be the one to say, you know, take a pay cut maybe to go somewhere else to play with Lyle or take a pay cut somewhere to go play with play elsewhere for that chance to win that ring? Gets. You think Gets? I don't think. I think Gitz is the only one there who hasn't won a ring yet. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about Ratliff? Has Ratliff? No, I don't think Ratliff has. Wait, I think Ratliff would do that too, yeah. I think Rat would do that. And Jared Connor is also and a free agent. And, they're, and they, you know, they share a spot. They share a spot. So maybe, you know, they take take the youth and say, Rat, Ratliff, you know, you're not coming back anyways. Who knows? Yeah, you don't know, man. Because, it, like here, right, if you were the Archers – you have Coach Bates, who has been there from the beginning. And I know, knowing that man, he would do anything to get these guys a ring. He would go buy rings if he could for these guys. <laughs> but if it would say, say he hung it up, right? If a new coach came in, I could totally see someone pulling a ruby or coming in here, blowing this whole thing up, saying, dude, we tried it for four years. Didn't work. Let's, let's start getting these guys out of here while they still have a lot of value. Right, people will still pay because you're about a year or two away from some of these guys not getting the value that you would love. If you took a few of these pieces and you did a sign and trade deal or whatever you could probably do, maybe you pick them back up and then get rid of them, whatever, or you just let them walk in general. Like we said, this draft is going to be massive, so you could inject a whole bunch of talent for a lot less money, and you could really bring something to the table, and then you could give the guys who you like. 
Name three guys on here where you said, hey, look, you could give these guys really big contracts and then fill and then surround them with a bunch of young talent. Who would the three guys be? Holman and Manny, probably. That's Holman, Manny, two. Right? Well, Gitz, too. I mean, Gitz could be like the foundation of a start. I mean, you're asking you're asking the right questions, and it's definitely it's a tough question. That's why I'm asking it. I and, think, and it's such a plausible scenario, right? Yeah. Where they lock down, you know, three guys and surround it with cheap, young, nasty, you know, young kids that are right out of college that you know are jumping out from a college season where they were lifting three days a week, practicing five days a week. Where you know that's an advantage, right? I think the yeah. X factor is Tommy, right? They're going to ask Tommy his input on what do you think we should do here. I mean, he's the captain. He's the nucleus. I think that's no, a great point too. Way a lot. And I also think Tommy, as humble and non-confrontational as he is, is like he's like I don't want that kind of responsibility. I think he's actually at the point in his career where he would give some input on that. But I agree. I, I mean, if I had to pick three, if I absolutely had to, I think it would be Manny Holman and Ratliff. I don't think you have a choice um, because you know. Gitz is awesome. We love Gitz, but there are comparable goalies that you could get for that. And we talked about this in the last episode. It's not a comfortable topic, but it's our job as analysts. Like there are other value equivalents that you can get around here. Um, I also think Jeff Trainer isn't talked about enough. Yeah, I mean, I think Trainer so, is a guy. So deep at D-mid, they're so deep either. at D-mid. That's what I'm saying. Is I think Trainer could go. You know. I think Trainer could go to the Cannons and add a serious value there. I mean, they have they're going to have to pick which one of the D mids that we have that are all starting caliber. Are we going to keep? They're not going to keep all these D mids. Could yeah. be Dominique that gets moved, right? That's what I'm saying. You, you don't you don't know. Yeah. Uh, one last question I have for you guys on the Archers, and I think we haven't really touched upon it yet, is Connor Fields. Right? He kind of came out of the gates of the POL smoking hot with the chaos. Then you know uh, they you know switched their kind of outlook on how they wanted to play ball and he got moved to the archers. He stopped playing attack, came out of the box, but towards the end of the season when they were trying to make their run, he was a huge piece for them. Like he Yeah, Sibes, that's actually something I was gonna say is I could see Fields wanting desperately to stay here because I think he fit really, really well with these guys. So I could think he's somebody who's saying, look, let's make this work. Because I was in a situation where it started off good for me and then I felt unwanted. And then you guys gave me an opportunity to pick things back up, and I got to prove again who I am. I feel like he definitely wants to stay, and I think he's somebody who might make it work. I don't want to speak for him, but it would make sense because we've seen him kind of reinvigorate himself. But but what about, you know, if they keep Manny, there's only one lefty attack spot. What if he says, I don't want to run out of the box anymore? You know, I want to play the whole game. Down low. I don't, I don't like. I don't like playing a half. I can't I don't get into it. Saying that, but yeah, no, I don't. Perfect sense. Just, just play a hypothetical. Yeah, no, Sibes. Look, that's why it's fun, right? Like yeah. a, a team that desperately needs a guy of that caliber who could wave fifteen grand in front of him more and say, "Why don't you just play the whole game right here and you don't have to worry about sharing time or coming out of the box?" Um, yeah, and, and he's just, really he's just as good on the left side. Yeah, yeah, it's a great problem to have. It's also something where. You know, this expiring contract thing is so interesting to me because I want to see which teams try to move a guy before he hits that situation. If somebody tries to, to trade a guy away before this becomes the thing. Um, or if, or if teams just sit back and go, look, we know he's going to expire anyway. But if, you know, I don't know, it'll be interesting. I also think something that we haven't really touched upon, but it just kind of occurred to me is as the PLL is, is growing older in age, we're seeing how much more important these draft picks are, like you touched upon, Greg. And we saw how Rubio kind of blew up that Atlas team for draft picks. And, you know, he got a shit ton of young talent. You know, Sowers was the second overall pick. You know, he just was the championship MVP. These high draft picks are extremely important for years to come. They play right away. Yeah. Well, also, it's a a combination because in the MLL, it was like you wanted the number one draft pick. Like, you really wanted it. If you were out of the top three or four, it was kind of a bummer. Whereas now, in the PLL, with so much talent coming out in the last year or two because of the COVID situation and the backlog of, of draftees, and, and there not being a ton of teams, and even less so, way less games are played a, a season, like, you can get value really far down. Totally. Like, yeah. You can get, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was kind of saying. We kind of, you know... Ruby or 
got the playbook, right? He moved a bunch of talent for picks. So I yep. wonder once this draft period or this trade period opens up, if people try to mimic that and start moving players because either, you know, their contracts are expiring or, you know, there's just, there's no room, right? There's no more room. It's at so the end. Cool. This adds a whole different dimension to what it used to be, where it was, you're playing. So you're, you're, we own you. If you don't play four or five games, someone can steal you maybe from our, right. and then you end up in the same spot anyway. And then when you're too old to be like a starter, you kind of bounce around for you know five different yeah, trades yeah, and then you're yeah, you end the season with four helmets. Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> from a quality of play standpoint, if you aren't the top point zero 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 one percent as far as your production, you lose your spot, and then contracts expire. So now you have say over your own future. It's fascinating to me. It's pretty cool. Just another yeah another element I think. Yeah. Definitely Absolutely. Not. We got, we got any last thoughts on that before we wrap it up? I can't wait to see it. Same here. Tomorrow or tomorrow for us last week when this podcast comes out, but I'll be refreshing Twitter tomorrow and seeing, seeing anything comes out. I'm excited for sure. Yeah. But- I'm excited for Danny, Danny Aristia boots on the ground, man. You d- keep doing your work. You're doing great for us. Awesome turn, on your, turn on your Twitter notifications. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that wraps up episode 14 of Rise Up, the podcast. Thank you for everyone tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to Torch Pro's YouTube channel. Thank you all again. Fellas, it's always a pleasure. And quick reminder, make sure everyone's growing out their mustache this November. Big time mustache. Big mustache guy. Go Phils. Next Go time Phils. you see me on the podcast, I'll be rocking a nice furry caterpillar. So that's <laughs> right. Fellas, thanks again as always. Fourteen. Bye-bye.